What's your name? Internet darling. Thanks for the blood. You cannot give me any advice. Get you waiting. We go again. I know that I can be selfish and narcissistic and self-destructive, but underneath all that deep down, I'm a good person, and I need you to tell me that I'm good. Shut, 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 shut. We live inside a dream. And it's just stupid that I'm in this world. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Nimes Monroe. How you guys doing? Hopefully you're doing well. Today, I have filmmaker Josh Segundo on the podcast. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Superman, uh, from one fellow mommy to another, uh, I was really elated to see that you were a big YMH fan and T- tell me about that experience of uh, working with them. That must have been like an opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I I got a text message from a uh, gaffer in town who's a fellow mommy as well. And he just sent me all caps. Are you available this day? And I was like, yes. And he goes, okay, hold it. And everything's all in, in all caps. And, you know, that, I mean, that's how I get jobs, right? It's all just like referrals like that. So I was like, why are you, why are you freaking out like this? And he's like, it's for the YMH live. And I was like, oh, I don't, <laughs> care, if, I don't care if they pay me nothing. I am there. I will do it for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, immediately I showed up <clears throat> and in my head, I was just like, yeah, I, I'm not going to like, I cannot fanboy. I cannot do anything. Um, and then we shot a, an edgy sketch. Um, yeah. It's par for the course of the show. Uh, we got kicked out of the first location because of it. Nice. And then, uh, we got to the second location and, uh, you know, Christina was talking to one of the sound people and the sound person was not familiar with the show. So he was super confused when he got to set and he saw <laughs> what we were, what we were shooting. And then, um, you know, she's trying to talk to him and she's like, Oh, you know, this isn't who we are. Yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, like just being like, our producer, no, like he's in on the joke. Like this is a running joke that we've been doing for years. And I kind of nudged my way into the conversation and she was trying to like, tell me like, yeah, like this isn't as bad as you might think it is. And I was like, oh no, you don't get it. Like I'm a fan. Like this is not an issue for me. Like I totally get the joke. So she hugged nice. me and I like just kind of melted. Like I could not, <laughs> I didn't even hug her back. Like that's how, that's how it was. I just kind of stood there. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, she was super nice. Um, uh tom is very much all business which was cool um i mean i I think at the time he was doing that um i'm coming everywhere tour so it was like he he was there for uh, you know less than everybody else but it was just he had a million other things to do but um yeah i briefly talked to to christina more than um than tom for sure but all the people were there all the booth people yeah it was it was a lot of fun i mean they were super nice all of them were super sweet it's it's nice to um to meet people that you work with and, and then be like the sweetest people. Dude, that's so cool. Um, I'm, I'm secretly jealous. That is like the raddest thing. Um, what did you, what did you get out of it? Like on a, on a, on a technical standpoint, like what was a lesson that you learned? I'm curious if any. Oh, um, I mean, I think, I think in there I kind of learned my my limits as far as like what I'm willing to do for people that I really enjoy. Like they, I think the PA had to run off to go get lunch and we needed to mm-hmm. shoot a scene outside and there was like leaves. And I was just like, yep, I just picked up a broom and started sweeping. Um, nice. 
And it's Very just like cool. I don't care. Like nothing, nothing's under, nothing is under my. Like yeah, I'm a, I was the I was a grip on the job, but like nothing is under me. Like I'll fucking do anything. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was, just, I was just doing that. I like hearing that. Um, gosh, where do we go from here? You like that? Yeah, it's, you it's just like that. It's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, dude, uh, when I saw that you were coming out with a movie, I got super excited. Uh, I was a fan of Lucidity for those that that just want to test me on my Josh Segundo, you know, uh, fandom. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. You know, I thought it was really cool. I saw all your influences at the time. How, how old were you when, when you made Lucidity? 18. 18 year old kid, man. I mean, I wasn't doing shit at 18. So I'm still impressed by that. But uh, where do we go? I, I've, I've uh, been a stalker and I've been following you on your, I guess, kind of almost quasi press tour. Um, and so I understand this, the story of like the, you know, you moving with your wife mm-hmm. when the pandemic sort of was in full effect, you know, you were doing DoorDash, you were basically living almost a Travis Bickle life. Uh, yeah. The interactions that you were having, uh, I heard you on your Instagram live, we're talking about, you saw a homeless man like taking a shit at a store. Yeah, that was super weird. That's gotta be weird, right? So. Uh, it, it sounds like these experiences created like a sort of tapestry for you. Um, and that's sort of where this film, maybe the sense of humor or the absurdism comes from. Tell me more about where do we go and how people can support that right now. Yeah. Um, so we have a season spark running. Uh, I think we have about 17 days still on the campaign. Um, so you can go to season spark. Where do we go? Um, and, you know, read our story. We have a bunch of our visual influences there, uh, who we have as far as our team, um, a pitch video as far as me detailing, um, hopefully not too vaguely about uh, what this means to me. But yeah, I mean, this is definitely a very vulnerable piece for me because I'm talking about a time that I was, you know, very, very broke, um, which I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Uh, Yeah, I was like you know going out doing doordash making maybe a hundred dollars a day and uh you know having like two three dollars after i um after after i pay rent you know stuff like that it's 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 rough and and i think coming from united service industry for nine years and it was it was fine you know i paid my bills i so i think that that was kind of the shock was more of like i was fine living in san antonio having a job um, I wasn't struggling. Like I had more than enough to, um, you know, to, to go out and have a, have a nice leisure time. I actually remember when the pandemic hit, well, I was talking to one of my buddies who's like a big finance guy. And he was like, are you good, man? Cause I know you're a waiter. And I was like, Oh no, I have money saved up. I was like, this is this two weeks thing, or, you know, a couple of months thing is going to be a breeze. Uh, I'm going to have some time to write and, you know, hang out or whatever, but hmm. you know, that quickly went away. Um, so it just kind of forced me into um, into a spot that I'd never experienced. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up crazy rich or anything, but my parents never let us see um, them struggling too much. So yeah, I see, I see. So it was it was it was shocking, uh, and then you know, being would, would you would you call would you call it almost? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, my it's well documented. My journey from the valley to Austin was traumatic that's the word i would use would you use that word as well no i don't think so i i mean i had the support of my wife um fiance at the time 
Um, it's more of like a culture shock. Yeah, I think it was more of like shock in the sense of me feeling inept. Tell me more about that. Yeah, more more in like like I said, like I I moved from the valley to San Antonio, and I think I did two shorts while I was there. One we shot in the I drove down to shoot it in the valley, and then the second one uh, in the valley. I'm sorry, in San Antonio. Um, but I was my primary source of income was you know serving uh, and bartending. Um, so like that was fine. Like I was self sufficient. You know I wasn't asking my parents for for funds. I wasn't doing anything like that. I was perfectly fine. Um, and I think right before the pandemic hit, I did like one or two PA jobs and that I was traveling for, um, which is really what I wanted to do. So, I mean, if the pandemic ever happened, I probably would, would still be on that track. But I think the pandemic really made me um, go sink lower and, uh, and really like view myself. And I think at the, at like, I think many people probably have quarter life crises and I turned 25 in, in 2020. So I kind of had like a weird, you know, all that time that you have with yourself, you kind of, kind of, you're trying to, you know, self-reflect. I kind of went through a weird thing of like, do I even like this? You know, why do I want to be a filmmaker? Like, is this because of me or is this because somebody inspired me at a certain point and I'm just kind of holding on to that or, you know, there was a lot of different things. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, I fucking love it. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a rough three years i think the last you know the last two have been i've been working uh you know professionally in film so but you know getting there it was it was pretty rough you know but yeah but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i was like traumatic because i think um i'm incredibly blessed to have um, parents who were there to help me if i if i were to ask uh, but i didn't really want to because i was you know 25 26 and it's like it's time like i can't be dependent and then, you know, my wife is gracious and, um, you know, I love her a lot and, uh, she really, you know, stuck it out and, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're doing, we're doing good as far as like, you know, bills and stuff go. I'm now paying it with filmmaking and stuff. It's pretty great. What do you think about seed and spark as an independent lever model? Um, to use for financing films like um, what, what are your thoughts on that it seems kind of have you have you ever done that before and if if not what what inspired you to, to produce a film that way through seed and spark um, yes I mean I I've always kind of done like the budget stuff when it comes to to shorts and um, this one I really want it to be higher production value um, I want to be able to pay crew, pay the actors, um, feed them correctly, have the locations that, you know, that we need, which for this, it's, um, it's kind of, you know, these characters running around a city. So there's multiple locations, which makes it a little difficult to kind of contain it into one space. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, so that's kind of, I feel like I, you know, I kind of needed, I needed to crowdfund this because I, you know funds run out quickly and uh i base i definitely i wanted to i want to see it the way that i see it in my head and i want to make it right um and i want to be able to give people the experience of of i don't want to pop out on the um on the film by by giving a subpar product 100 percent. yeah that's that's the the best 
intention right there is to produce the best product possible for sure. I, I like that. Um, I want to ask you a few tough questions and if you don't like these, we can cut them out. Um, <laughs> just, just so you know, um, crowdfunding, do, do, did you already have a crowd in place that you felt would be able to propel the movie forward? Um, to, to an extent, you know, um, I have family members who could, who could help out. Um, I have some close friends who have donated. I have really nice people who I've been friends with since like middle school. Yeah. Um, that was just like wild. I think one of my, my seventh grade best friend, Ralph sent like $150 and I was like, geez, dude, like, thank yeah. you. um, you know, there's a, there's a few people that not to say I'm surprised by, but it's like, oh, I've had a couple conversations with you and, you know, you donated, you know, this much or, or you know, I'm not really trying to put like such a, a, you know, a big emphasis on the amount, but it's just like, like any amount is amazing. I met a guy at Barnes and Noble here in Austin. We were just, it was like the Criterion sale and we were just perusing movies. We were the only two guys in the section and we just started talking, met him one time and he donated, you know, to the, to the thing. And it's just like, geez, thank you. That's amazing. Is Seed and Spark like Kickstarter in that it's all or nothing? Or is it like Indiegogo with if you raise, you know, four fifths of the project's funds that you that you that that's what you walk away with? So I think the big difference between Kickstarter, Indiegogo and Seed and Spark is that the other ones take a big chunk out of out of the funds that, that are raised. Um, and Seed and Spark is like, it's not really like it's all or nothing. It's like an 80% or nothing. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So we need to hit that 80% threshold. Um, uh, so I'm dumb when it comes to math. What is 80% of 12K? Uh, 9,600. We got to hit that. So if the listeners are, are watching right now, anything is appreciated. Uh, visit Josh Segundo at Josh underscore the second. His, the link's in his bio um on instagram so you can get directed to where do we go the seed and spark uh mission i, I definitely want to help funding that uh, however we can we're at 19 percent right now so literally anything would help um the link's also going to be in the show notes below so if you're watching this on youtube look in the description you'll see it um you can't miss it um so yeah it's josh underscore second not the second, second. Second, yeah. second, my mistake. Thing, like thanks, for, no, thanks for thanks for clearing that up. Um, I, I, have a, I have a list of questions here that, as as a fanboy, I, I definitely I cannot wait to get into. What was the moment? If there was one moment, maybe it was an aggregation. But uh, what was the moment where you realized you were a filmmaker? Hmm. Um. I think. I, I fell into it really late. I mean, I loved going to the movies as a kid. It was one of it was my favorite thing to do. Um, but I, I don't really think I ever really put two and two together. And I had, so I would go to the movies a lot with my parents, but my parents would do this thing where it was like seven o'clock on a Monday, let's go to movie six in McAllen because it's the dollar movie. And whatever lined up with us time-wise, that's what we'd watch. It was never like, I want to see this movie because this actor's in it or this, I saw this trailer. It was never that, um, which now I'm thinking back on it, that's it's so ridiculous. Like we would just show up and watch like anything like that's weird. Um, so there was a, a million movies that I'd just never seen. And one of my friends, Yulisa, her dad 
uh, would collect movies. And I think we were at school one day and she was like, Oh, you've never seen, uh, you never seen it. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't, I never, never got around to it. She's like, you need to watch it. And I was like, I, okay, I guess. So I went and I looked it up on YouTube. It was there. Um, somebody like took, like, I don't know, put it up illegally. So I saw <laughs> it on YouTube and then the same channel had all the Stephen King movies or movies based on Stephen King novels, like uh, Christine, things yeah, of that nature. Christine, uh, Misery, uh, Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption. So I saw all of these movies on YouTube in my parents' TV room. Um, and I think it was when I saw the Shawshank Redemption and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like that movie made me feel feelings that I'd never felt from a movie ever. Um, and and it, it's a, like, I, it's a great movie. Um, but I, I, I would say it was just, I don't know if that was necessarily the moment where I was like, I'm a filmmaker, but it was the moment where I fell in love with film. And it was the moment where I, I started like looking up IMDb, like what's on the top, you know, 250 or whatever. And then I would just go to Barnes and Noble and just buy stacks uh, and then just watch them. Like I would double feature things like my junior and senior year of high school. I would just double feature every night. Just, and then like things that didn't make sense because I didn't know any better. Um, I think I said like last night in my live, like I saw uh, Dr. Strangelove and Taxi Driver. Dr. Strangelove and Taxi Driver in the same day. Is that what I heard? Yeah, in the same day. For no reason. They don't make sense together, really. I mean, I guess they're both kind of vaguely war movies, but that's about the most that they make sense to each other. But yeah, I was just watching shit together. Um, but I loved it. How do you come up with your ideas? Fear. What are you um, afraid of? I don't, I mean, I think uh, my own insecurities. I think, I think that's definitely, that's definitely what I write from. My last film, I don't know if you saw it, uh, was uh, called Dawn. And it's, it's a, on YouTube. It is on YouTube. Yeah, I checked it up. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's about this uh, dad who's taking his daughter out to um, hunt for the first time. And it's like a post-apocalyptic thing. And uh, they end up hunting people, and the dad basically forces her to uh, kill, have her first kill, and force her to um, basically grow up. And uh, and I was asked like, why did you make this? And I was like, oh, this is just like how I thought about. I needed to kill the child in me. I needed to grow up, uh, which is a weird way to <laughs> to kind of express that. Um, but yeah, that's what I was feeling at the time. I was just like, oh, I just moved from my hometown. I need to fend for myself. I need to, you know, do what I, I need to be an adult. Um, and that was like the last thing that I wrote and directed that I was, uh, very, very passionate for. And, you know, it's been five years since I made that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I, not that I had my shit figured out at the time when I was living in San Antonio, cause I was still bartending. I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, but I was comfortable in the sense that I could, you know, afford things and, you know, live my life comfortably. I didn't feel that fire under my ass, if that makes sense. And, uh, and I think, I think the pandemic really sparked it for me again. What is your biggest failure as a filmmaker? Uh, honestly, it's screening lucidity. Tell me about that. Yeah. I, I never wanted to screen it. I, I, if you remember correctly, I, I, I made that and then I didn't want to, I never wanted to release it. 
um because i i was i was embarrassed by it in my head i you know i didn't know what i was doing at the time at all um and i i made i made a short film that was 30 minutes long that's very quiet uh a bunch of copyright claims all over it um i just show you watching the shining for i don't know five ten minutes it's so weird i haven't seen it since that day by the way wow yeah i just i I haven't seen it um and uh you know armando really like uh i wouldn't say he pressured me but he was really big on like we need to screen this like we need to screen this and i think that's because he was he was very inspired by you having done it with uh with your films and i was like all right fine like we'll do it and I think throughout the whole, both screenings, because we've played them back to back, I was just staring at the floor the whole time. Um, and I just knew that it wasn't good. I think I think I knew that. And I feel wow. bad that I charged people and that people came out. And I saw people come dressed up. They came in like a suit. And I, I just knew, like even in the smallest scale of me being in my hometown, um, like it's the stakes are super low, but for me that was just like I knew it wasn't ready, and impressions are everything. I kind of feel like I lost a good amount of people because I I think I think people were just like yeah like this is not this is not good, and I knew it, and I think I think I just presented something that I knew was not baked, and I was embarrassed, but you know it is what it is. Thank thank you for answering that uh, and being as honest as you were uh, i don't see it as that as a patron um but i find it deeply fascinating also i'm a big believer in failing and testing in public that's something that i think filmmakers need to do more um con- i'll throw content creators in there vloggers fucking people making reels whatever like i think putting the cart before the horse and failing in public is is the way we learn. It's the way we grow. It's the, it's how we grow up, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I have a lot of respect for you personally, even though it's a big, du- a, a, sounds like it's an L for mm. you, but I, I look at it as a W. I really do. Um, I know it, it's just one person's perspective. I, I took my entire family to see it and I didn't feel like I wanted my money back, you know, and mm. I had already seen the movie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm from Donna. So I, I, I went from Donna to mission and I wanted to support Chappelle. Um, and so I don't look at it as a failure, but I respect where you come from for sure. Cause I know what it feels like to make a movie sort of in vain and then screen it and it not be what you want it to be. I know how that feels. So okay. I, I, I understand where you, where, where you're coming from. Yeah, was that? Are you talking about Seven Hands? Because I was there for that. Yeah, Seven Hands was a movie that um, day two in filming, I was I was dead inside. I, I did not love this ma- making that movie. After, I didn't enjoy making it. I didn't enjoy editing it. I didn't enjoy screening it. It was like delivering the stillborn baby. Gotcha. Yeah, let me ask you: um, What is your greatest success as a filmmaker? Um. I think uh, my greatest success is is uh, paying the bills with it. Um, it makes me it, it, that not not to say that, that it's about money, but uh, you know, yeah, I think you work uh, you work really hard to um, to work on your craft to 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 do this um, 
this thing that you love. And, um, you know, I've learned, I've learned more in the last two years about filmmaking than I have, you know, I've been doing this, I mean, amateurly since 20, you know, 2011, 2012, maybe. Um, so, you know, I learned more in the, in the last two years than the, than the, you know, previous 12 or the previous 10. So, yeah. And it's just, it's just getting, getting out there and working. And I think working on other people's things. Um, and I think that was, so after, after lucidity, I, I felt horrible. I didn't, I, like, I didn't work on anything for about three years. Um, and then I jumped on, uh, sets with wild Fox films, which was now not a thing. Um, but, uh, I jumped on sets for them doing anything running sound. Um, I ended up doing a lot of their lighting stuff. Uh, I ran a camera for a couple of their shorts, but I learned a lot. I learned how to run audio. I learned how, uh, how to essentially, you know, shoot to edit, if that makes sense. Like understanding a shot list, um, you know, locations, all of that stuff. So I learned a lot with that. Um, and then that's kind of where I feel like I was for into Dawn. Like the making of Dawn was a, such a nightmare because I was so ill-prepared. Like, um, hmm. Like getting people's, you know, food orders was was bad. We were out in the middle of nowhere. Um, we we forgot props, and that was on me that I just didn't prep for it. Um, just you know, just things like that. Uh, luckily, it was it was like a, a really small crew, a really si like simple ish um, story. It wasn't like nothing was too too complex, so everything kind of worked out. Um, but with this one, I am overly prepared that makes sense. Like I'm going out of my way to make sure that, the, I mean, I'm, there's going to be hiccups. That's, that's, that's going to happen, but um, I'm going out of my way to avoid as many as I can. And I think I learned that through working on other people's sets, working on professional sets here in Austin. Um, you know, and like I've, I've been a gripping gaffer for the last two years. So I know that the truck, you know, the grip truck needs to land somewhere. We need to be able to unload it. Hair and makeup. My wife has done a lot of our hair and makeup stuff for the last couple shorts. She needs a space. Um, there's been a couple shorts where she's done it on the, out of a car. That's not comfortable for anybody. Um, so stuff like that. Restrooms, highly important. Um, parking, people getting fed. Um, you know, it's just a lot of logistical things that I'm, I'm definitely trying to, uh, to get ahead of. I love that. Um, paying your bills with art money, with film money is definitely something to be very proud of. So I'm proud of you. That's, that's excellent. That's amazing. That's a goal for a lot of people for sure. And, and uh, I know people that have been in the game for a long time that can't say that. So kudos to you. What's the, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received as a filmmaker? Um, just get over your ego. I think, I think that's, that's really it. Like, where did, where did you learn that from? Uh, myself, I think, I think I just kind of, kind of actually sat with myself for a little bit and understood that I am not nearly as good as I thought I was. And I think, I think, I don't know why, I don't know where that ego came from immediately. It's like, I've seen a hundred great movies. I know what I'm doing. And like, that's silly. And, um, 
you know, I, 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 I think being able to watch my things reflect and just go like, you don't know what you're doing and you need to learn and you need to stop being a pompous ass. Um, I think that's really it. I think, I think I've, you know, I, everyone has an ego, but I think, I think a big, um, a big goal of mine for the last few years. And I mean, years as in like, since 20, 2015, 2016, probably has just been like kill, kill that ego. And I think it was just working with other people, I think learning and getting involved with wild fox films and learning that they were better than me and not in a, not in a like mean way. I just, I was able to just be honest with myself and be like, they know what they're doing and you really don't shut up and listen. And I think I probably have gotten a lot of, um, good recommendations in Austin based on that type of mentality of I'm not going on another person's set going, you should do it this way. I go on and I do my job and I try to do the best that I can. If I have an idea, I go either to the gaffer or to the DP, but I don't jump to the director. You know what I mean? Like there's a line of command and, um, and I think it's more just like checking your ego. And sometimes, you know, they're going to do things a certain way and, that's perfectly fine. It's not your job to, to worry about that. Yeah. What's advice you wish filmmakers would take? Um, uh, like in general or like entry level filmmakers? Let's do entry level filmmakers and then in general. If you're starting out, work for other people. You're going to learn a lot by um, understanding their mistakes, understanding what they do right, and um, it's not going to cost you a dime. You learn so much more on by being on set than you're ever going to learn on YouTube. You know, you can watch. I'm not going to name name any YouTubers, but you can watch. You know, a million name, YouTubers. name YouTubers. Name YouTubers. I don't know, like Gerald and Dunn. Like, what is this guy doing? He's just. He's just doing camera camera tests in his house and is in a controlled environment. Not to say he doesn't know what he's talking about, but you know what I mean? Like not everybody's shooting in a studio, um, like things like that. It's just, um, you want to listen to people who, who are literally out there who are actually doing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're, you're not going to learn enough by, by, by being on, 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 uh, on YouTube. Um, or, and the same thing goes for film school. I mean, you, you're going to, you're going to put in, you're going to get out as much as you put in. And, uh, I'm not anti-film school. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think that that's really what it is. But you're just going to learn the most by, by getting on other people's sets. There's no, there's no other way. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And also don't be that guy who's like, or, or person, sorry, don't mean to make it a, I know it's already a male, pretty male driven uh, industry, but don't be the person who is, um, who's going to say, I'm only going to direct. I think that's silly. Um, I think it's silly because you're not, you don't know what, you don't know what you're doing and you're not going to, you're not going to learn how to direct by being at home and watching what Tarantino did or watching what Paul Thomas Anderson did. You're never, you're not, that's, that's not how, that's not how it works. You have to be the leader of the whole crew you're not going to learn that by watching what fucking 
you know, Francis Ford Coppola did in the Philippines. It's not, that's not how that works. What would be advice you wish filmmakers would take just more generally outside of entry level? Um, be vulnerable, write about something that actually means something for you. Not to say that, you know, if you're a concept writer or you do, um, you do, uh, anything just based on, uh, you know, a fun idea. It's like fun is great. I love fun. Like Fast and the Furious, it's, they're superheroes. That's fun. Like, it's so dumb. I don't love it. Um, but, uh, you know, even in, even in something like that, there's a clear theme of family and, and there's a love that the, clearly the filmmakers putting into it. Uh, and I think it's silly to just be like, that's stupid. Um, so just be, just be vulnerable, uh, and actually try to make something that means something to you. It doesn't have to mean something to everybody, but, um, just try to fucking do things, you know? Who are your greatest influences and who, who do you especially want to highlight? As far as like filmmakers that I look up to. Yes. I mean, I think I, I think I wear my, my cards pretty, pretty, uh, um, obvious. I, I don't, I don't think I really try to like emulate this person at all, but I am a massive Kubrick fan. Like, I'll, I mean, Kubrick is my favorite, um, just by the sense of preparation. Uh, and how much, how much he knew what was happening before going into it. And I just, I love that preparation. And, and, and I would say even not necessarily filmmakers, another person that I admire for the same exact reason <clears throat> is uh, Peyton Manning. I'm a huge football fan. And he has a great quote that I love that he said, uh, you might be stronger than me or faster, uh, had a better arm, but you will never out-prepare me. And I, I just, I love that. I love that. Um, that quote so much. I'm a huge, huge Peyton Manning fan for um, for the way that he would just prepare for every single game. And Kubrick is, is the same in that sense that he knew he knew every single pin hit pinpoint of um, where any soldier was going to be on in Spartacus. It's ridiculous, but I love it. It's so it's so overly done. And, and uh, not to say that that's how it has to be because I love spontaneity, but um, I think uh, I think I just really love that level of you know preparation so the listeners they're big fans of josh segundo um and so they knew you were going to say kubrick so if you had to highlight someone else throw throw another filmmaker a bone who would that be let's see um hmm uh i'll go contemporary um I love Derek C in France. Me too. Me too. I'm glad you said him. He does not get enough love. Yeah. I love Derek C in France. Did you see, I call it the sad Mark Ruffalo show. Did you watch, uh, did you I watch that? That's true. Yeah. Amazing. I actually was not interested in that show at all until I saw that Derek C in France was attached. One of the best yeah. shows I've ever seen. Yeah, I know. Amazing. He's, 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 I think Place Beyond the Pines is like just as good as any other film that's ever been made. Place Beyond really the Pines, did. I watched that about two weeks ago. Um, that movie makes me feel things that uh, a lot of other movies haven't. I think that might be my favorite movie of the 2010s. I'm getting chills. Uh, it's in my top 10 for sure of the 2010s. Um, I saw, that was the first movie I saw the night my daughter was born. 
I opened up my laptop and I watched Place Beyond the Pines and I just cried. Yeah, that's a very special movie. Um, What are some of your favorite movies and uh, what's an underrated movie you want to point to? Yeah. um, So my favorite movie of all time is 2001. And and I I think that's like the best movie ever made in a technical sense, in a scope sense. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen it so many times that I now only watch it in theaters. Like I, I, I just reserve it for theaters. And I think I might start doing that with the next two that I'm about to name. Um, Cause I just saw it in theaters and this is probably my number two favorite movie of all time. That being apocalypse now. Um, and then blade runner though. I, I just, I love those movies. And, and I think what's interesting is that I, those are some of the earlier movies that I saw when I was getting into film. And then I, you know, I jumped onto the, the um, international stuff, Tarkovsky, Bergman, uh, Godard, Truffaut, uh, Kirstami, Kurosawa, all of these amazing filmmakers that I love. Um, and then I kind of just like found my way back to American film and they're, they're incredible. Fargo's another one. Like it's great Fargo weather right now. And um, yeah, yeah, I just, I love films like that. Um, this is a movie that uh, I would say, oh, Ben Benders is so good. I'm looking at Paris, Texas right now on my shelf. Uh, and Wong Kar Wai is also amazing. Uh, where is it? There's... Um, I saw Scorsese talk about this when he was talking about Polish films. And this is my favorite international film it's called Ashes and Diamonds. Um, it is a story about a um, these two assassins who are in a small Polish town uh, the day World War II ends. I don't think they necessarily say it's World War II, but it is. Um, and then a part, a person of, of the dictator's pillars party uh, goes back to his small Polish town. So they are waiting for him to arrive um, to assassinate him. And uh, in the course of their time there, they um, one of the one of the um, one of the assassins uh, meets a bartender who he uh, immediately gets um, interested in, and he uh, he must decide if he wants to. Um, kill and keep running or you know stay stay in that town with that lady wow what a great plot amazing setup that sounds cool it's obviously it's on criterion if we wanted mm-hmm. to check it out right yeah yeah it's, it's great it's on hbo max as well if anyone wants to see oh it. good but good, it's, good, yeah, good. Polish. it's uh what like i said one of my favorite movies um i saw it when i was in college um and then i recently rewatched it maybe about a year ago and i was like it's just as good as i remember it but that's not a super, I don't hear a lot of people talking about it nearly as much. And that's something that I would definitely highlight. I love it. A movie that you make, I want to talk about the afterlife. Where does it live? And what is the shelf life going to be for um, your picture? Uh, I'm very curious. Like, uh, where do we go? Where, where does, where do we go, go? Um. I mean, I want to put it in as many festivals as I can. I don't understand. Is that the question you're asking? Like, like how, how far is it going? What's the shelf life? Like, where do movies go nowadays? Like, what? This is a conundrum that I struggle with, you know. If it was up to me, I if it was up to me personally, Knives Monroe, the producer, 
I'd put it on Vimeo in front of a paywall and try to make the movie's money back. I think that's what I would do, you know, but I'm not suggesting that I would never offer that advice, but where does, uh, where do, where do pictures go nowadays? Short film. Is this a, cause this is a short film, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, we just produced a short film with friend of the show, uh, J.R. Molina. It's going through its festival route. We got picked up for a festival for Prison City. Uh, yep. We're going there in a, in a couple of weeks. And it's our first time we've ever won, not won, but have entered a film festival. So I, I want to see it kind of go that route, mm-hmm. um, see where it goes. And then maybe I'll put it up on Patreon. I mean, I don't really know where movies go. So I, I'm curious to ask a fellow filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think personally, you know, since it's being crowdfunded, I want to give it to the people for free. Um, and uh, I want to just put it out there, probably not on YouTube, probably on Vimeo, just because the picture quality is simply better. Um, maybe on Amazon Prime for free. I know HBO Max has a, like, you can enter your um, your film to get on there. Um, I, I think it's like a temporary thing, but I don't, I don't know how much you'd have to. I don't know if you need to pay or, or what the what the criteria for for uh, getting your short film on HBO Max is, but um, yeah, I want to get as many eyes as I can on it um, because you know it's a, it's a very important story for me, and I think I think the struggle of it is pretty universal, and I think I think I really want to showcase that times are tough for a lot of people, and that we should um, look hopefully in a few years I look back on it in a um, with fond memory. Oh gosh, I had a question. Um, oh, in one word, where do we go? What is it about to you? Uh, perseverance. That's lovely, man. That's definitely a, a big humanizing theme to put and localize all your concerted efforts into is about perseverance. Like now's the time to, that we should be having those conversations, you know? Um, yeah, I, I want, I encourage the listeners and people who are watching this on YouTube. Um, this will be out everywhere. This podcast, wherever pod people listen to pods and it's going to be on, on YouTube as well. I encourage you to, to at least check out, the Where Do We Go uh, Seed and Spark page. Donate a dollar. Donate $5. It's a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? Like, this is a, it's a good cause. Uh, it was a tremendous pitch video, I thought. Um, it was really well done and really well uh, made. And uh, you, you get to see the influences that that uh, are inspiring you and inspiring the picture, um, which I love these influences as well. There's, 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 uh, what do they call it um, in pre-production shot boards or what do they call it? Um, yeah. Storyboards. Storyboards. And uh, you get to see that in the movie. You get to kind of see uh, where your money's going to. And it's, it's, it's really cool. So I want to encourage people to check that out and donate what they can. Uh, I know times are tough, mm-hmm. but let's be honest. We're Americans. We waste money on dumb shit. So why not support the arts, support your local filmmakers, especially if you're in the Austin cedar park round rock leander area please please do so um any any last words josh something to to leave the the listeners to leave the people just you know maybe one last plea for 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 the movie i mean i think that's why we're here but if there's anything else you know i definitely want you to to get it in um i would i would definitely say you know i i 
fully understand it if, if um, pledging um, is not entirely possible, but I would just love a share or, um, you know, anybody's time to just kind of check it out. Um, if you could, I mean, if anything, just look at the website. Um, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily, like I, like you said, times are tough and I don't necessarily want anybody to, um, to not be able to, to do it. Uh, so I just, I would just love a moment of everyone's time. That's a lot. I, I like that, man. And I think you deserve that. You know, um, thank you so much for coming on my show. I'm glad we were able to do this. Um, it worked out. I, I wanted to record this uh, where I live, mm -hmm. which is outside of Austin and Leander, a, a suburb. Uh, but I just I just uh, got rid of my office. I went from I consolidated into a smaller office, so I wouldn't have been able to record. Thank you for taking time out of your day to record with me one on one like this. I love this. We'll do another one when sure. the movie's finished to yep. promote it. Let's do it. Fucking A. I love you guys so much. Thank you for watching. Uh, keep a force field around your heart. Support the cause. Support Where Do We Go at, on the Seed and Spark. Link down below. And we'll see you guys on the next podcast.